0: Welcome to the Echo Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Let's welcome Dave. Oh my goodness me, that's a good wrap up, isn't it? I'm, I'm loving being here at Echo Church. I, I love the B&B I'm staying at with my friend Mark and uh, Virginia, is that right? And uh, it's just a great place. This is a bit of a surprise. I lived in Melbourne for three years. I did high school at Scotch College, the worst three years of my life, just about. And I uh, lived in North Baldwin, so I kind of feel like I kind of know the area. lived in Brighton for a little bit. But, uh, but this is the surprise, and where you live is a total surprise. It's just absolutely brilliant. Um, I, I feel at home being here, and I feel uh, like I'm a hand in a glove being here, um, and knowing uh, Justin and Lee is just an absolute treat, you know uh, they 've been through stuff, but they 've come through stuff, and uh, they you know the Bible says we go through the valley of the shadow of death, and we don't stay in it and uh, and I just I just appreciate you a lot. I feel like I can relate to justin we've both got ADHA a for asset, attention deficit, hyperactivity asset a for asset and uh, and um, And Lee, what an absolute treasure Lee is. Gosh, just this, there's something, um, I would say there's something apostolic about Lee. There's something... Uh, the the ability to endure storms, the ability to not be swayed by storms, the ability uh, to be consistent through the storm, the ability to continue to lift the church up through the storm. I just I think that if 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 we were to rewrite Romans chapter sixteen, because Paul celebrated a number of women in chapter sixteen of Romans, I think your name would be there. I just think that there's something very special. And very apostolic about you. I think you're, you're an incredible couple. I, I'm going I'm to rant and rave just for a few minutes, right, so I don't just come in. I'm not, a, I, I'm not a preacher. I'm a lifter. And I lift people from the lowlands of doubt to the highlands of faith, right? So I do preach, but I'm not a preacher. Get it? Great. Um, so... Um, I just say this about Justin, that, that I, went, I went through, I've been through some incredibly difficult periods in life, and recently I've been through something. But I remember back in the early days as a youth pastor, I just got slam dunked by the senior pastor that I cried in his office every three months for six years. It was just an incredible difficult time. And The prophet came to our church, and he looked at me as he walked past, and he said, crushed olives. And I knew exactly what, it, I mean, it was very encouraging, but, but I knew what he was saying. He was saying that the only way you get oil out is, is through the crushing experience. But, and so I went to, I went to uh, the United Kingdom with no rebellion in me. God had crushed the rebellion out from me. And, and we got to work in a, in a situation that could have been quite rebellious. We, we just put our head down and our tail up and, and we established a beachhead in Sheffield, which is a really difficult place in the north of England. And out from there, we planted into Leeds, into Newcastle, into Birmingham, into London. We uh, pioneered into Manchester that's created today Manchester's largest church. We then sent a team of young people to Germany, started a church in Frankfurt. We then sent a team of people to Ghana, started a church in Accra in the capital of Ghana, sent a group of people over to uh, Malaysia and started a church in Kuala Lumpur and started a whole bag of other things. But, But it all came from this crushing experience. It all came from this this purification process that God took me through. And I can I can see your I can see the future of this church is enormous the capacity of the two of you is enormous. It, it, it's You are high capacity people. And what you've been through is preparation. And never think it's too late. Jesus started his ministry not at 23. He started his ministry at 30. And, and some of you are panicking, thinking, oh, I need to achieve great things. Listen, what God did in three years in the life of Jesus Christ is more than what you can do in 40 years trying. And so you, you, you want to realize that when God's hands on you, you don't need a lot of time. You just need the right time. And you need to be the right person in the right place at the right time. So stop panicking about how much you've achieved. and Because what God can do in, in playing catch up is enormous that God can restore the years the locusts have eaten and he can do it very, very quickly. And I've got a feeling, you know, I've got a feeling I can kind of see a rubber band, you know. I can see a slingshot where God's pulled you backwards and you sort of think, well, it's a couple of steps backwards. May I suggest you're not. May I suggest you're actually getting ready to be slung forwards and to hit the mark, to hit the purposes for which God's called you to. And so don't, don't, don't feel and don't think that um, how long's, How long is this preparation stage going to go for? I think a lot of you are out of preparation stage, but it kind of feels like you're not in high velocity. Yeah, but you're getting ready for high velocity. And in one respect, I thank God for the difficult times that I went through because I was released into incredibly fruitful times. And I think it's the same with each one of us. So I just say that over Justin's life, over Lee's life, that the best, and I'm quoting someone, Here, but the best is yet to come, and uh, and we ain't seen nothing yet. And I've got to say, this church is fabulous right now, it's fabulous right now, but but it's going to be even more fabulous in the future. That's that's one thing I want to say. Uh, I want to say also that this that this that is a very high capacity church, this, and you know, the problem with the problem with going through difficult times is is when you go through, you can you can buy the t shirt, I'm a survivor but it's the wrong T-shirt to buy because you're not born to survive. You're born to conquer. You're born to thrive. And I think sometimes, this is the thing about friendships. The friendships that took us from the middle of the lake drowning to the side of the lake surviving are not the same friendships that take you from the edge of the lake to the top of the mountain. That God's got to change friendships. And for some of you, that's what's, what's, that's what's been happening in your life. God's, you think, why are those friends left? It, it's because, because they still see you as you were. Why do kids have to leave home in a certain age? Because you still see them as 12. And it's not sinful. It's just the way human nature is. And so you've got to leave home. And, and sometimes people have to leave you so that people that, that, that don't know your history can come along and, and they can see you in full potential as you will be, not as you were. And sometimes we think, we, we sometimes we love... You know, we love, the, 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 we love being a survivor because you get a little bit of self-pity from it, right? But, but, but you're not born to survive, you're born to climb the mountains of success and to achieve great things in God. And that requires a different set of friendships. And so if, if you've discovered that you've had to say goodbye to some people that you've loved for a few decades, the reason is because they hold you a prisoner to your past. Because they know you too well. And what you want is people that don't know your history that well, but can see your future clearly. Because the future you is greater than the past you. And the greatest enemy to the future you is the past you. And so the capacity of this place is enormous. I'll, I'll say this, and I'll, I will get to my message, but you don't, you don't need more faith I mean, how much faith do you need? You've got faith to reach the moon in this place. You've got faith to change planet Earth 20 times over. and, And yet, survival mentality says, oh, what I need is just a little bit more faith just I'm a little bit weak, I just need a little bit more faith. That, that's survival mentality. You always feel like you need a little bit more. You feel like you, you're close to God on a Sunday, you're far away from God on a Monday. I just need a little bit more. I just need somebody else to lay hands on me, that little bit extra. That's survival mentality. Master you, is you don't need more faith, you just need less doubt. That's it. You don't need a bigger accelerator pedal. You just need a smaller brake pedal. That's all you need. Things are going well in your life. It's just that you need to stop oscillating between what God says and what fear says. Just stop the oscillation. That's it. And just put your foot on the accelerator and we're going to go for God. Now, now that's a great launch pad for what I'm about to say. But before I do, I'm going to say this about Tash. Tash, that was incredible this morning. I've got to stop here and say, when you, when you crashed down on the piano halfway through and just started to play, I, I have rarely heard anointed piano playing like that. Like, I've got to say, rarely. And I, I have to say also that, that, this, that, that this church has a seamlessness to it that's most unusual yeah and, and i 'll get super spiritual saying that the garment that Jesus wore was a seamless garment so i don 't know exactly what it means, but but somehow it wasn 't a, a knitting together of two kinds of fabric there 's a singularity in this church there 's a singleness of fabric in this church, and that worship was 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 fluid to the point to the point of 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 being pure and being seamless. But let me say this, and this is way off the mark here, right? And that I could see you doing piano albums and helping people get to sleep with them. I just think we were talking about last night, sleep and sleepnesses. It's, it's a massive issue. You know, everybody struggles to get to sleep. And sometimes the best thing to do. I remember my son did, did something on piano when he was 16 years of age. And Vicki Simpson, who's a, who's a major prophet across Australia, she, she was so harassed within her mind, right? And uh, so attacked that she used to put it on for maybe three or four years every night. She put on his piano album that he did when he was 16 years of age. But I wanna say that's the same anointing you've got. It's most unusual. I mean, every church has a piano player, has a keyboardist, right? But your piano playing, I, honestly, it shocked me just just how good it was when 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 it was more prominent in the worship service. And it says something about your spirit. It says that you're a good, a great combination of beauty and guts and I think it's very it's 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 fabulous that. You know you 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 want a you want a church with a great combination of the feminine which 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 is in touch with the beauty of God but also the masculine that that says hey this is the way to go. When those two combine which they combine in you you've got an incredible combination and I would say that that there's stuff for you to do. If you say God what do you want me to do? There's stuff for you to do. But I would suggest doing an album with piano on it to help people get to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say this about Is it Moy? Moy? <laughs> First, I'm going to say you're gorgeous. Oh, gosh. You are, you are a beautiful person. A beautiful person. The, the word I have for you, which is the word that we've all heard, is for God knows the plans. I'll tell you why that's a great word. God knows the plans. They're for good, not for evil, to give you in the future and hope because we don't need to know the plans. Why don't we need to know the plans? Because God knows the plans. Stick your nose out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can, you can lose your joy by, by trying to find out what the plans of God are. I've got a feeling that what God wants to do is restore your joy. And I, I don't know about your childhood. Sometimes we've, we've had a lost childhood. Uh, sometimes we've had a great one. But, but God wants to renew our youth and bring back the joy of our youth, either lost joy or double joy. And I've got a feeling that, that you're going to get younger and younger and younger. And you think I'm just really immature. May I suggest, it's not immaturity, it's joy. And you think, well, I'm a bit shallow, why am I laughing? It's because God laughed at the nations and laughed at his enemies in Psalm number two. That's why. Well, how come I'm laughing all the time? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And post-COVID, what, what we need is more more moise. That's what... That's what that's what we need. More noise from Moys. More noise from Moys. More noise from Moys. That's what we need. Oh, gosh. Um, I just, I'm just trying to think. Oh, let me also say uh, that is it on sound? What's your brother's name? Mitch, where's Mitch? Oh, Mitch, coming out here. Oh, my gosh. I'm slowing the service down a little bit. I know I'm going to go a little bit longer than, than you might usually expect. Come on out here. Come on out here. Give the man a hand. Oh, Mitch, let me shake your hand. There is an, ex. there is, I'm going to say, I'm going to say two things. There's an excellence about you. In one respect, it's beyond, it's beyond where the church currently is. But people have to trailblaze. They've got to go beyond it for it to become it. And I can see you're the attachment between the future and the present. But let me just say this, that you're going to blossom. I don't know, like, like I tried to snoop around whether you've been to Bible college or whatever, right? But it doesn't really matter whether you have or not, right? But, but, but I can see you becoming a, an outstanding uh, man of God in full-time leadership, leading a church, I think the call, the call of God's on your life and, and it's the call of God that's different to how, you, I think you've been a little cynical of people around about and thought, oh, I don't wanna be like them. I don't wanna be a part of this, a part of that. How, how can it change unless you become a part of it? So sometimes, sometimes you've, got, you've got to jump into something that, that you've got reservations about to be the answer to the something. What the world doesn't need is grandstanders who just kind of look at what's not happening on the field. They actually need people to train up and boot up and go back on the field. And I'm saying this to say, hey, it's, it's just time to boot up. I'm not saying it's going to be quick uh, because, you know, but what I am saying is that, that there are some boots for you. And those those boots you know, are Beckham boots, you know, they're boots to actually score goals, you know, not just have a run around the field, you know. And, uh, and, and I think God, the Bible says to, to stir up the gift that's within us. And I, I'm just saying this to say it's time to stir it up. There's wisdom in you. There's strength in you. There's power in you. There's, there's, there's authority in you. And uh, and and you know you need to keep exercising that. Otherwise, it can become a little stagnant and can become a little observationalist. And if there's one time, one moment in church history that needs you, this is the time in church history. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So um, I'm like Justin, I'm slightly crazy, right? And I had this crazy idea, um, this is about 10 years ago in, in England. I, Henry Ford once said, if you think you can, if you think you can't, you're both right. And it's kind of true, if you, if you, if you think you can, you possibly can, right? We, we're not totally into Anthony Robbins, but, but we possibly can. But if you think you can't, you absolutely can't. And then I realised that, that attitude determines altitude, And I thought, I'm going to experiment with this, right? Here's here's some non-political stuff, right, that I started to do, right, that I'll never do again. I'm ashamed of it, right? But I thought, what I'm going to do is I'm I'm going to find out how much beggars make on the streets of London. So I'm going to dress up as a beggar. Then I'm going to dress up as a super cheeky charity worker. Then I'm going to dress up looking like a million dollars, right? So anyway, I thought I grabbed a team of, of cameramen and that. We went down to Covent Gardens in London and I dressed up as a beggar, had a sign saying, saying, need money, right? And, uh, and after about 45, it was going okay, it wasn't going brilliantly. But after 45 minutes, these two pairs of black shoes came toward me. And, they, and, they, they, and I looked up, they said, you've got the right to remain silent anything you say could be held against you in the, in the court, right? I thought, oh, no. And they said, we're arresting you. I said, what for? They said infringement, begging infringement from 1875, you know. But everyone begs in London. They picked on me because one was, you know, getting trained by the other one. And I said, oh, I'm not here alone. I've got a camera crew. When they looked around, not one camera was around. Not not a single one. And they put me in the back of a paddy wagon. And I went to Charing Cross Police Station. They put me in a cell. And I was in the cell for about four or five hours. And uh, finally they released me, but I, I was released with a caution. And so the caution is like, a, is like kind of a criminal record. So every time we had a criminal check every year in it, because we had a nursery in England, right? The only person with a record was mine, begging infringement. Every year for about 10 years was my begging infringement that just kept coming up in that. And, uh, so, and then I, I, I thought, well, I'll get back on the streets. Uh, I bought a Hawaiian shirt, had a shaker, trying to raise some money for a hospice. The money actually went to a hospice. Right? And did that for a bit. And then I went to um, Savoy Tailoring. And I said, I'd like to borrow a suit. And they said, well, yeah, okay, you can borrow any suit. They, they said, as long as you bring it back in a week. Uh, it pays to be bold, right? So I walked out in a boss suit looking like a million dollars, right? And went outside the Bank of England and I said, I'm raising, like I'm trying to raise over a million dollars for charity. And uh, could, you, could you give some money? And I'd rather it be no less than a fiver, Because sometimes people think 20 cents is a lot, right? I said, I don't want any less than a five. Here's my results, right? My results were, as a beggar, if I did that all year, time out for wet weather, et cetera, et cetera, I'd be on about $25,000 a year. If I did it as a cheeky uh, charity worker in Hawaiian shirt, I'd be on about $60,000 a year drum roll if i did it as in my boss suit as a millionaire with a different attitude i'd be on $280,000 a year <laughs> the difference that attitude makes oh my goodness me the difference it makes when when you line up the way you think with the way you believe is incredible. And you know, the Bible goes there because the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse number two, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test and approve what God's good, pleasing and perfect will is. It seems to me that the Bible's saying it's not just what you believe that counts. It's what you think about what you believe that counts because if you look at the Roman road of faith in Romans chapter 1 verse 17 it says the just will live by faith and then in Romans chapter 4 verse 21 it says that Abraham was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised that against all hope in hope he believed he was a man of faith and then in Romans chapter 5 verse number 2 it says we access the grace of God by faith But then the Bible does a swing on us, has a little U-turn on us. Because now we're in Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. It says, it's not just according to your faith, it's according to your thinking. Be transformed by renewing of the way you think so that you can test and approve God's good, pleasing and perfect will. So how do you test drive the Maserati of God's will? because that's His good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's like a Maserati. It's not like an old Holden. It's not, not like an old Hyundai. This is, this is a Maserati. This is a Rolls Royce. This is the will of God for your life. Now, can I suggest you cannot create the will of God. You can only grab it by faith, open the, the shutter door, and move into the goodness that God has for you. But it takes faith, and it takes a renewing of the thinking process. It takes lining your head up with your heart. May I say that unity isn't when all the churches in this area come together. Unity is when you come together. When you start to think the way you believe, now we've got liftoff. Now, let me give you a secular example. In 1954, Roger Bannister was the first man in human history to run a mile in under four minutes, right? There's been some other people chased by tigers in India, but it was unrecorded, all right? But you know, within seven years, 20 people had broken the four-minute mile. To, right to, to now, for, to today, over 1,600 people. You can't even get into the Olympics unless you beat it by at least 40 seconds or beat it by at least 10 seconds now. But what happened? Why should it be the case? Did people lack, did they lack the capacity? No. Did they lack the imagination? Yes. They didn't think that it was possible. It's sports psychology. There was a barrier there, a four-minute barrier. And until somebody beat that barrier, no one else beat that barrier. And I suggest that's why uh, you're in the situation you're in, you're in the preparation you're in, because your breakthrough is never just for your breakthrough. It's for a breakthrough generationally. It's for a breakthrough culture-wise. It's for a breakthrough for Melbourne. It's for a breakthrough for Victoria. It's for a breakthrough for Australia. That's what this church is all about. Your breakthrough becomes a, a snowball. It becomes a ripple in a pond to bring breakthrough to so many other people's lives. That's why life's a little bit more difficult than it ought to be, because it's not just... It's just about you. It's about Australia. If we win, Australia wins. That's why it's important for you to realise that revival starts with you. It starts with the power of one. You and God are an incredible combination. If you do a year before in 1953, uh, that's when Edmund Hillary was the first man with Tenzing to to climb uh, Mount Everest, It was a huge feat. Nobody in the whole of human history had ever got to the top of Mount Everest in recorded history. And between then and now, this is 1953 and 2023, over 6,000 people, but nobody before, but 6,000 people post. Well, what is that? It's it's a change in the way we think. And you might think, well, why do we need to change the way that we think? And I want to use a trendy word, sustainability. The problem with breakthroughs, if you have a breakthrough just with faith, but not with a renewal of the mind, it's one step forward into breakthrough and one step back out of breakthrough. You become what I call a Baha man who created that song, who let the dogs out, and that was the end of their career. You become a one-hit wonder. You become a Natalie Umbruglio, a one-hit wonder. It's the problem with the church. Their one-hit wonders have a great breakthrough. Then where are they today? I want to be on a show, not where is he today, but where will he be next is the show that I want to be on. And so God's got to create sustainability. And sustainability is one step forward, stand Two steps forward, stand. That's sustainability so that you become a legend like Coldplay. (laughs) Not a single one hit wonder because your future is legendary. Hit after hit after hit after hit. And so God's got to change the way you think. I'm going to say it again. You don't need more faith. You need less doubt. What's doubt? Cognitive. Jesus said, if you believe this mountain to be lifted up thrown to the sea and do not doubt in your heart, keep a clean spirit, forgive your neighbour. You can see all kinds of miracles come to pass. It's lining your head up with your heart is where miracles take place. Let me give you the scientific bit of what happens when we hear from God. This is what it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It says, the faith comes by hearing from God. So the moment you hear from God, the first thing that happens is faith enters into your spirit. Now faith is the currency of heaven. So let's call it a check, an old-fashioned check of faith within your spirit. But heaven doesn't work and doesn't operate or trade with any other currency except for faith. So I'm a multimillionaire because I've got faith with my heart. I'm a lottery winner. I'm better than a lottery winner because I've got checks of faith in my heart. And every one of those checks is attached to an unseen tomorrow. If you see your tomorrow, you don't need faith. Faith is only here for unseen. So faith's got nothing to do with the house you own. It's got nothing to do with the state of your marriage. It's got nothing to do uh, with how you look. It's got nothing to do with your health. Nothing to do with, it's got nothing, it's got everything to do with tomorrow. It's got nothing to do with today. So you can be in abject poverty, but have a check. But still be in abject poverty. But the check is attached to tomorrow's world. That's how powerful it is. Heaven exchanges checks for treasure. That's how powerful it is. That's why in this room we are multi-millionaires of the kingdom of heaven. We've got the treasury of heaven at our fingertips because we've got the check of faith within our heart. That's the first thing that happens. I'll just add this, right, that outside of the door of your heart is, I'd say, a brown Hyundai of prayer. Prayer is never a rolls. Prayer, whenever you pray, Have you ever? I, I taped myself, recorded myself praying once and I thought that's just useless. But, <laughs> but God does hear the intent. Prayer is never meant to be eloquent. It's never meant to be professional. Prayer is always meant to be a stringing together of words that, that, that don't quite make sense, but then God interprets it. And he makes sense on our behalf. And We take the check of faith into the hyundai of prayer. We drive it to the bank of grace. And when we do drive to the bank of grace, the teller doesn't say, how much did you pray? How far was the distance? How far did you come? The teller says, thank you so much for the check. I'll now exchange it for the treasuries of heaven. So never nullify yourself for thinking, I don't pray enough. Even when I used to pray incredible amounts, I never thought that was enough. Whenever you pray and whenever you read the word a little bit, the devil always says you ought to read the word more. Whenever you read the word more, the devil says you're not praying enough. You cannot win with Satan. His voice of accusation is on you all the time you just need to be confident. This has nothing to do with length of prayer. It's got to do with the high undi of prayer. It's got to do with the bank of grace. It's got to do not with the size of the check. It's got to do with the quality of the check and what's written on the check to trade at the bank of grace. Am I going too fast for you? I don't care you can get the tape you can listen to the recording afterwards Um, the second thing that happens that I want to concentrate on right it creates a check of faith in the heart and it creates a pathway in the mind because how do you know you're saved well because we we know that we know if you just know it here you'll never know it here and so what God does when he speaks to you is that he imparts something into your spirit then it's interpreted within your mind in that you 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 now know something you never knew before and when God speaks to you you get a check of faith you get a pathway in the mind what God does is he sees two parts of the mind together as the crow flies not as a river meanders in other words you knew that God loves you but now you've had a revelation God loves you it's as the crow flies you knew that God provided but now you have a revelation God's provided, it's as the crow flies that's how you know you've had a revelation from God It's uncomplicated, it's clear, it's got a marker pen on it and it creates a pathway, a small laser light beam that sears the smallest pathway in your mind. Now, if you do nothing with it, it'll grow over. You've still got the checks, but they're down the back of the couch and your mind's grown over. What you have to do now is you've got to walk that path. The more you walk a path in the countryside, the wider the path gets. Can you say amen? And if you keep on walking on it, and if you keep on meditating, if you keep on confessing, if you keep on thinking, if you keep on acting upon it, it gets wider and wider Till eventually God can lay some train tracks down because he's now created new trains of thought. This is what you want. Is you don't want an incidental, spontaneous thought. You want to create and turn that into a train of thought. A train of thought's a way of thinking. And these trains are going everywhere in your mind. But every train in your mind leaves from Grand Central Station of the will. Now, I'm going to say this about your mind. Inside your mind are fields of dreams, floods of emotion. There's trains of thought and there's cities of habit. The skyline of your mind will determine the skyline of your future. Whatever are the highest skyscrapers in your mind will, det- will cast the greatest shadow over current culture and over the culture of your tomorrow. So God's intention is to pull down the skyscrapers in the fallen part of your mind. This is bad habits. Ed Sheeran, and to lift up habits in the new part of your mind in order to change the skyline of your mind. Once the skyline's change, God says, this is now irreversible, let's get to work. I'm going to give you a hit with yellow. I'm going to give you a hit with the scientists. I'm going to give you a hit with, with sky full of stars. I'm going to give you a hit with magic. I'm going to give you massive hits now because you are irreversible. And most of the church is reversible because they've got faith, but they haven't got a renewal of the mind. Every thought, every train leaves from Grand Central Station If your will, and your will needs to be re-strengthened. There's three parts to your mind. There's the fallen mind, there's the new mind and there's the natural mind. But most of these trains are heading either to the fallen mind or to the new mind. I'll just say this about the fallen mind. There's three areas in it. One is what I call the royal cities and the royal cities are self-justification, self-pity, self-centeredness, all the self-cities where self sits on the throne of authority within your life. There's what I call the industrial cities. This is where moody cows live. This is the industrial cities of of envy and jealousy. Uh, Industrial cities of perpetual sadness. Industrial cities of perpetual anger and hatred. They're the attitudinal cities. Then the last lot of cities are your classic, I call them historic cities. This is greed. This is lust. Uh, This is stealing. This is lying. This is deception in those cities. And each one of those cities have some skyscrapers in them. And God's intention is to bring the skyscrapers down and to replace them with skyscrapers in the new part of your mind. Are you following me? And so what God does is he redirects the traffic. And I'll give you an example, right? Just say that there's a a barbecue going on next Saturday. Uh, All your friends there, but you're not invited. So when you get to the Grand Central, and every thought comes with a perceptive thought, you, you've stopped being invited now. This could be the end of your invitation. It, it just perception comes along, thinking something odd is happening here. And so both those thoughts end up at Grand Central Station of the will. The station master on what I call the, the, the Western platform is Satan. He says, no one has ever liked you. He says this is repeated activity. You've never held friendships for more than a certain period of time because once they find out who you really are, no one wants to hang out with you. There's a train leaving that's leaving to Rejection Town. It's a small aircraft travel through to Depressionville and it's got a little moat traveling to the skyscrapers of self-pity. all aboard. It's your choice what you do because at exactly the same time on the eastern platform is the Holy Spirit. And on the eastern platform, up rocks a train, and this is according to your revelation, but a train, the Hebrews 10.9 train that that says God takes away the first to establish the second. So he removes what was a friendship group. He removes it because he wants to replace it with a better friendship group for the current season that you're in. If you miss that train, the Psalm 23 train comes along. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you miss that, the Philippians 1, 1 verse 6 train comes along that says that God is faithful to finish what he started with in your life. But you're standing at Grand Central Station on the bridge over the platforms. The station master, Satan, is saying, hey, we're ready now to head to Rejectionville. And the Holy Spirit's saying, we're ready now to head to the Lord is my shepherd. And it just comes down to your decision to make a decision to hop on the right train. And what God wants to do is increase your decision-making process within this church. He wants you to be more clear in your decisiveness because you don't need more faith. You just need more decisiveness to choose to catch the right trains. Now, let let me just give a couple little things here, right? Uh, one is if you're on the wrong train, which I find myself on the wrong train often, right? There's always a New York yellow taxicab of kindness, always trailing every train. It's the Holy Spirit. So I'll say this about your children. No one's far away from God. It's a lie from Satan. Putin's not far away from God. He's, he's one breath away from God. I was in the hell of despair before I got saved. Every ISIS commander is one breath away, one prayer away because the Holy Spirit follows them wherever they go, even into the desecration and destruction that they're involved in. The Holy Spirit still follows them because His kindness leads us to repentance. There's a yellow taxicab of kindness beside every train. All you need to do, press the red button, stop the train, get off, hop in the taxicab. It takes approximately four seconds to repent. And the moment you're in the taxi cab of His kindness, His kindness takes you back to Grand Central Station. And then God forgets the past. He's got no memory of the past. He's got amnesia when it comes to the past because He forgets all of our sins. He keeps no record of wrongs. It's like you've been born again for the first time. It's like life started for the first time. That's how God feels about you. When you pray prayers, I'll just say this about prayer ministry, that when you pray prayers, that prayers don't stop the trains, but prayers do bomb the tracks. And prayers create, inside my mind, there's there's some ghost towns. The reason why God hasn't bulldozed the ghost towns down is because he wants me to remember where I've come from and where God's taking me to, because that leads to gratitude and appreciation. But there's some cities that have no one living in them. Every time a train arrives, it brings building material to that city. It increases the cement. It increases the aggregate. It increases the momentum, the population of that city. The less a train travels to that city, the more derelict that city becomes. So our aim is more trains to the cities that God wants to create in the new part of our mind. What are those cities? It's the city of peace. It's the city of goodness. It's the city of faithfulness. It's the city of gentleness. It's the city of patience. It's the city of self-control. It's the city of love. It's the nine fruits of the Spirit. Don't start as manifest fruits. They start as cities in the mind because they represent a new habit has taken over. Are you still with me? So here's, here's my practical bit, right? How do you strengthen the mind? Well, we used to run a ministry for women coming out from uh, what we used to call sex trafficking. Now we call it human slavery. And someone said, why don't you just get all the girls in the room and just lay hands on them and just see them all completely delivered? And my answer is because then it's reversible. And Jesus gave an analogy, deliver someone of demons, the demons come back a lot worse than they were before the person was delivered. What we need to do is, is if their mind is like a house and the house is full of squatters, and as, as we renew the carpet of condemnation, a couple of squatters leave. As we reopen the windows of vision, a few more squatters leave. As, as we, we take away the dry rot of victimhood, more squatters leave. As we rebuild the front door of self-control, the last squatter leaves. Now we've got deliverance and a renewing of the thinking process to make it irreversible. Can you see what I'm saying here? Okay, here's three keys, right? The first key to, to strengthening the grand central station of your will is to know what you want, what you really, really want. <laughs> I thought I'd get you back with that, right? But you want to know what you want what you really really want (laughs) because sometimes we we go for what we want but don't really want it I'll give you an analogy first right the six-year-old was walking home from school in Moorabbin right and a frog jumped up on his shoulder and and said if you kiss me I'll turn into a beautiful princess and this six-year-old kid just grabbed it put his back in back pocket right and the frog squeezed out jumped back on his shoulder, said, hey, kid, I said, if you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. And, and the kid looked at the frog, the frog at the kid, and, and took the frog off, shoved it deeper and deeper in his back pocket. Right now the, the frog's mad. And, uh, and the frog finally squeezes out of the back pocket, the deepest regions, jumps in and says, hey, kid, I told you, if, I, if you, I told you, if you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. Why won't you kiss me? And the kid said, well, it's easy. I, I, don't, I don't want a beautiful princess. What I want is a talking frog. You want to know what you want, what you really, really want. Now, let me give you, let me, let me confuse you with science here, right? If someone says, Dave, how are you feeling? I'm feeling five things at once. There's five levels to human emotion. The top level is your bad hair days. This is what I call visiting emotions. We all have them. Some people are paralyzed by bad hair days. They're emotions that, that fly around within us. But just underneath that is, is, is our volatile emotions. So how are we feeling? I'm feeling angry. How are you feeling? I'm feeling incredibly sad. How are you feeling? I'm feeling incredibly depressed. These are my volatile emotions that can control people. But it's not really everything I feel because every one of those emotions comes from the third level down, which is my vulnerable emotions. 90% of anger comes from disappointment. So if someone says, how are you feeling? I'm feeling angry. Well, hang on a sec. Let's go a little deeper. How are you feeling? Disappointed. Because my expectations weren't met. But then, but then why we're overwhelmed by disappointment? Because the fourth level down is visionary emotions. It doesn't see short distance. It sees long distance. That's why great achievers like great Olympi- Olympians, they're, they're going for gold in four years' time. They can starve today. They can go through pain today. They can overcome a lot of obstacles because of visionary emotions. That's what faith has. It's got eyes to see. It sees what will be, not what is. If you keep your eyes on what will be through the brick wall of impossibility, it's going to change the way you feel. So it'll lessen your disappointment because you'll still be gripped by divine anticipation. Something good's going to happen over the horizon. But the deepest emotion in each one of us is our victorious emotions. The kingdom of God is not food and drink. The kingdom of God is Joy, peace, coming up, joy, peace, and righteousness. And two of those are entirely emotional. So when someone says, how are you feeling? Well, which level do you want? And when I say, what do you want? What do you really, really want? You, you want to dig down. You don't just want your back scratched because you've got some visiting emotions. You don't just want your anger fulfilled through through the spirit of justice. You don't just want your disappointments replaced. You, You want to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. That's how you change and strengthen the Grand Central Station, if you will. You do it through saying, do I really want the superficial or do I want the real? That's how you change it change it by a different set of values. Secondly, the second thing to do is to change the environment in which you live. If you've got a problem with Krispy creams, Kri- which we we'll all have, right? you don't set up in a bed sit above a Krispy cream shop. Because at night time we know that some they didn't sell. And when we get the munchies at one o'clock in the morning, we'll be going down the stairs, snooping around, even the bins. Because they're still fresh in the bins. To find the Krispy Kremes. Jesus was a specialist at environmental control. When he healed Jairus's daughter, he said, "Shut the door." I'm only leaving three out of the twelve disciples. Here. The problem with us, we're trying to please everybody, and in pleasing everybody, we see little of the miraculous because we're not controlling the environment, controlling the culture in which we live. You, you've got to have to shut the door to doubters, shut the door to mockers, shut the door to cynics, shut the door to people unless they've got faith or they're sympathetic to faith. You want to shut the door so the miracle can take place. You want to stop being a thermometer and start being a thermostat. You, you ought to dictate the conditions of the room you're in. You want to stick on worship. You want, to, you, want to, you want to listen to the right things. You want to be with the right people as the core value of your life. You want to determine the culture in which you live. I'm speaking well here this morning. Some of you, there's one or two people you need to cut contact with. Cut it nicely, though. Don't just ghost them. Cut it nicely. Just let it drift off, right? But let it drift off. Don't hang on because you don't want to displease them. My last point is change your confession. Change the way you speak. Now, back in the 80s, right, if you were sick, you'd just say, I'm well, how are you? Well, it looks like you're dying. Well, they're dead in a week, right? Oh, they told me they were well. In the 2000s, we're into authenticity. I'm sick as a dog. Still dropping dead in a week because now I'm sick as a dog. I'll tell you what David did because David had both worlds. He both... He was both fragile and he was both fabulous. And what he did, he's connected the two with the word but, B-U-T. And but's the greatest faith word in the entire Bible because it doesn't ignore reality, it confronts reality. And you need to get into that. You want to say, well, how are you feeling? I'm I'm feeling sick. But! You want to get the but in pretty quick because otherwise the city of self-pity will cast a shadow over you and try and trap you into victimhood. And you don't want that in the 21st century. In Psalm 31, David said, I feel like broken pottery. Everybody hates me. They walk past on the other side. But! I trust in the Lord. My times are in His hands. He's the one in whom I trust. Oh, gee, the anointing is in the room right now. But we can say dumb things. And it's okay every now and again saying something dumb. But not habitually done. You want to declare the promises of God. Now, it's not a magic show, it's a renewing of the mind show. It's helping trains carry building material to the new part of your mind in order to grow skyscrapers in their mind, in order to change the silhouette of your mind. Because the silhouette will determine your future. We're not inventing the future. We're releasing the future upon us. I'll finish just with a little story, very short story right from John Forbes Nash. You know the film A Beautiful Mind. Wow, it's old now, isn't it? Like a lot of us are old. You know it. He was mad. Like had schizophrenia. He probably had a whole mulch of stuff going on. But he was brilliant. And often you find brilliance of madness often live together. find creativity and, and non-binary often live together. There's an underside to the upside in, in everything. If you're a type A personality, generally anger tends to follow. You need to manage, manage the anger. A lot of life we need to manage, and 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 you know he was seeing, hearing voices left, right, and centre. But finally, after years, had a best friend. But finally, after years, he won the Nobel Peace Prize for I don't know physics. And his friend came up to him and said, and this is in the film, said, "How does it feel to be released of the demons, to, to not have, not have the voices?" Right? And then, then all the voices, all the all the shadows in the corners of his, of the film on his mind come out of the corners he said oh no, no 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 he said the voices are still there he said I've just chosen to ignore them I just sometimes we're waiting to be absolutely free of depression but you know sometimes God's waiting just manage it as long as it's not a flood as long as it's a river but not a flood we, we're in business here and the renewing of the mind isn't to take away all the watercourse. It's, it's to take away the flooding. It's to build some riverbanks of control. You, you might have a certain level of sadness that follows you all the days of your life. But as long as it's a river, a controllable river, not an uncontrollable destructive flood, we're in business. I just think I'm still mental. I'm still slightly screwed up. But a lot of it today is in a river controlled it's the same as being delivered because I'm delivered from the power of it but I'm not totally delivered from it it reminds me of my fragility it stops me getting an ego it stops me from being unappreciative it's my humanity I think some of you need to realise stop just praying for complete and utter deliverance and start praying for renewing of the thinking process. In the second service, after we have a break, I'm going to be talking about a slightly different thing: how to have a slightly better marriage. I don't think you need a. I don't think you need a whoppingly good one. I think those that do are faking it. I think what you need is slightly better. I think what curses the church is perfectionism. I think it's satanic. See, if you if you got a book by, by Pastor Ken and Barbie, she's got the fake boobs, fake teeth, everything lifted. Well, by the time they've written the book and you're reading it, they're no longer together in Florida. They've split up. Because there's no such thing as perfectionism. What you need is a slightly better marriage. I'm going to give you some keys on that. That's the second session. Before I pray for you, I, I, I brought a whole truckload of, of books, resources, like more than the size of this church should have. But I've got a feeling that, that because you're hearing a fresh voice today, that you're not hearing a voice of victimhood. You're not hearing a voice of struggle. You're hearing a voice of victory here. And I've got a feeling if you could just saturate, marinate a little bit, determine the culture and books are resources and books are a part of the speaker. And sometimes if you just need more magnesium, take some more magnesium. If you need some more iron, take some more iron. But I think sometimes that's the benefit of guest speakers, that they carry something that's outside of the normal diet, but it can make you well. So I've got, I've got my book called The Hit Factory, which the catchphrase is the next you is the next big thing. Here's my think, book called Think Twice, 500 Trains of Thought for new generation thinking. his Jen's book, Prophesy. It's 84 fire starters to a fresh devotional life. And she's got an incredible devotional life. I'll talk about that in the next service. This is her book, She Is, which is a coffee table book. And both She Is and Prophesy are in their own gift pack down the back there. They're sold together. I'll say this about selling, that you don't need to pay now for a couple of days because I just have a grab and go system where you just grab them. And you just shoot off without paying. But there is details there to transfer money over the next couple of days. It just makes it easier for you. It makes it less complicated for the church. In my pack, my complete works pack is if you think you can. This is 24, I think, of the world's most famous expressions, each one turned on its head. They say you can't have your cake and eat it too. Bake two cakes. It's pretty basic. Here's my book, Jesus Saved Me From Your Followers. Here's my book, uh, Sacred Cows Make Great Barbecues. Here's my book, Man Boobs and Other Human Rights. That's available in the complete set. And what I've talked about today is, is, the I call it the mind map, if you think you can. It's an A1 map of the Christian's mind. It's a book that's available separately and in the complete pack. And uh, if I just get this out before I pray for you, this is, this is the map I drew. I just, I just, I, I, this has rescued my life. And it's all to do with strengthening Grand Central Station, if you will. That's available afterwards as well. I'm going to pray for you. The weapons of my warfare right now are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. If you feel right now there's been a machination, there's been a sense that you're a victim forever, that you'll never get over what you're actually largely over, a feeling that you'll always be in this state, a feeling that you'll always go around the same old mountain. I'm here to pull that down because it's absolutely not true. You're like a polished arrow being polished by God, taken from His quiver into. His bow, to be pulled back and to shoot the target for which God has planned for your life. This feeling that you'll always be a loser, this feeling that you'll always be unloved, this feeling that you'll always be abandoned, it's, it's not true. And just in this lighter atmosphere with every eye closed, if that's you and you'd like me to pray a prayer for you wh- where you are sitting down, I'd love to pray a prayer of delivering you from the power of that voice. So if you've got a voice that consistently harasses you, I want you right now, and you want to be released from, it. I want you to lift both hands up right now. Both hands up, hands going up all around about the place. All around about the place. Father God, I, that's it, that's it, that's it. That's it. Father, you are not the author of confusion. You're the author of clarity. And Father God, let there be a clear, a clarity between what is godly and what's ungodly. Father, I pray, take away the confusion from their minds in Jesus' Name. Tear it up, God. Father, let it be dismissed to power in Jesus' Name. Whether it's confusion over identity, confusion over sexuality, confusion over the future, confusion over the will of God, confusion over the day, confusion within mine. I bind it in Jesus' mighty Name. Father, let clarity come. Let clarity come. Bomb the tracks that lead to confusion city. Father, let clarity come. Let clarity come. Father, clean the air of the smog, of the pollution of the industrial cities. Let clarity come. Father, releases from cynicism. Let clarity come. Let clarity come. See, it's, it's all over the place right now. You're going to be different after this. 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 Power of God's all over the place. From the back row to the front, for the youngest to the oldest. That's it. That's it. You don't need more faith, just less doubt. Less doubt. Less doubt. Less doubt. Father, thank you this morning for the power of God upon this biblical teaching. And Father, there's people in this room who need to reconnect to God. His yellow taxi cab is right beside you, but you just need to press the red button. And some of you have never officially pressed it or you did, but you got back on that train. That train is leading you to Paganville. It's leading you to Secularville. It's leading you to hell, and God wants to rescue you, and He's right beside you right now to rescue you. You're gonna press that button. I want you to pray this after me. This is for backsliders and for anyone who's come with a friend this morning. I want you to pray this, and everybody else can pray this. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you. You're closer than I thought, and you love me more than I know. I choose to press the red button to hop off this train to nowhere. To hop in the yellow cab of kindness. Take me into your will, into your purposes, into salvation and into eternal life. Forgive me of all sin. Throw them into the sea of forgetfulness from this moment on in Jesus' name. Every eye closed, every eye closed. I, 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 it's some. Often I say, "There's one more thing that I think is good to do. It's to draw a line in the sand between history and future." But we have no sand. So what I'm going to get you to do when I count to three is, if you sincerely pray that prayer, I'm going to get you to lift up your right hand, leave it up till all the hands are up, so I can pray a final prayer. But if that's you, it, just, it was a short prayer, but you meant it. You might have lost concentration in the middle of it, but you meant it. This is, this is your new day. This is your new time. And if you did pray that prayer with no one looking around, maybe a couple of counsellors, I don't know how the church works, but with everybody with their eyes closed, if you did pray that prayer sincerely and you're coming back to God or for the first time making a move toward God, when I count to three, I want you to lift up your right hand. Leave it up till all the hands are up. Three, two, one, lift. Lift, high, higher, 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 high higher. Lift it, up, lift it 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 up. In my left hand section, there's one hand that's gone up. There's two hands. It's just beautiful. That it's a new day for your lives. There's three hands that have gone up. My left hand section. I just absolutely adore that. The power of God's all over you. It's going to be new. In my middle section, a fourth hand has gone up. In my middle section, it's a new day. It's a new day. It's don't let the force of yesterday, take a hold of this brand new day in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for four hands that have gone up, for anyone else that's coming out of the cave of confusion. Father, bless them mightily in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. I'll see you in the next session for how to have a slightly better marriage.